Today's episode of That Song From That Movie is coming up after this. Hello and welcome to Field Off Screens, the sports movie podcast. I really yeah. enjoyed this. Me too. I thought it was really funny. And Yeah, me too. Each week, me, David Kifford, the sports guy, and James Rowling. Hello there, movie guy here. The movie guy. We watch a movie and talk about said movie. And of course, they are all sports movies. It was awful. Awful. Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah, well, how's None your of them f- are working. Yeah, how's your yeah, family? Was... You will lose. Is he Scottish uh, in it? Yeah, yeah. He says, I mean, it's not hit the heights of his um, <laughs> Viagra adverts. That is all I could think of. I was not really convinced at her efforts. We'll, we'll go into detail after that, I think. Okay, all right. Um, uh, I found it a bit boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't the most engrossing watch. <laughs> so, so thanks for listening to this podcast, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you for the next episode. I would say I have got what I would consider some entertaining content to bring up. <laughs> anyway, Never sorry about that. Everyone. There's always next year. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody get up, ladies and gentlemen, because it is time to slam now. We have a real jam going down, so it's my pleasure to welcome you all to that song from that movie. Marco. Hello. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey Through the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. I am your basketball reference host, Dietrich, and today we're joined by a person who promises to never date Madonna again, Alex. <laughs> I wonder if he, if he came true on that. I don't, I don't know enough about Charles Barkley to know, to know if he kept that promise. That's, that's, is, that, is it Charles Barkley that says that line? Yeah, I think so. I'm sure it is. Yeah. And we're also joined by the up, which Bugs Bunny is always talking about, Ben. Oh, I, see, I get it. Yeah, that was a clever one. That. Yeah, right. I, I was definitely. Right. I had to. I had to think. I had to think. I don't know if it's clever, but I thought. <laughs> I will take that. Big fan of basketball, lady. A uh, huge fan. Huge fan. Mm-hmm. Definitely not spent the past huge. three weeks watching no- nothing but football. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so have I, but it doesn't mean I don't know nothing about basketball. Well, but what have you been watching this week? Ooh. <laughs> football. <laughs> what about you, Alex? Um, I did actually watch um, the Mitchells and the Machines. Oh, what did you think? Which I thought was I thought was quite good. Did my uh, there's a part that's fantastic and worth the uh, surprise. You know, I think it was worth it. Do you know what? Like, I knew you were going to ask me this, and I was like, when I was watching, I was like, I wonder which part is talking about. I, I, I mean, I can guess obviously, but I don't know if I want to ruin it for everybody. But I think I know which part. But it was a good film. It was a good film. I enjoyed. It. I enjoyed the two robots, <laughs> the ones where they uh, they lose their program. Yeah, yeah. I did watch the Bourne trilogy again. Trilogy? Yeah, I thought, isn't it no, 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 no. There's no. five of them. We're, we're, right, we're not doing it's this. Five, we're not doing... No, no. Things end after three. <laughs> In my life, Tokyo Drift was the last one, and it ended <laughs> on a high. It ended on a high. It's a good one to go out on. No, there's no more after the, the third one. The rest are shameless. So I wrote these notes up a couple of months ago, ah. and I put, to celebrate the release of the long-awaited Space Jam 2. <laughs> that might have come out like four or five weeks ago. I've got no idea. I have no idea what's going on at the cinema. I don't think it has. 
but okay maybe. well let's pretend it <laughs> <laughs> let's just pretend okay so to celebrate the release of the long-awaited sequel space jam 2 featuring lebron james we're going back to the original michael jordan effort space jam and all of its accompanying songs so alex time for some history <laughs> some history the new one is called Space Jam Legacy, by the way, I believe. Not Space Jam 2. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, the original Space Jam came out in November 1996. Relevant news to that was that Kobe Bryant made his NBA debut in the same exact month. All right, babe. I feel like that's possibly as relevant. I mean, he's played his basketball. <laughs> a basketball reference He's a basketball right reference right there. In musical reference, Spice Girls released their debut album, Spice. Now, come on, guys. I know that probably you two had this album. I mean, I was too young to even remember. Someone probably had it for me. There's many a home video of me dancing away to Wannabe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, I had two younger sisters. The album was probably in the house somewhere, but I didn't get it myself. I had Robbie Williams instead. <laughs> instead? <laughs> I guess one or the other. Yeah, one or the other, yeah. It's, one or the other. <laughs> it's a British household. It's one or the other. <laughs> it's one or the other. In toy news, the first Tamagotchi was released. Ooh, brilliant. Now, I bet you both had one of these, though. <laughs> the first sign that I had that I could not look after a life. How's that going? Uh, well, the dogs lasted three weeks. Okay. Well, that's just, Longer just... than any Tamagotchi I ever had. <laughs> Is Tamagotchi the name of the device or the creature that you grew? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. I felt this has maybe come up before, or certainly we've talked about this gentleman before, but Bill Clinton defeated Bob Dole to retain the presidency. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. <laughs> um, and in movie news, because this is also a movie podcast, two films, well actually three films uh, were released, so uh, probably more, but the but three of you know. <laughs> For three we care about. <laughs> well, one I assumed he would have been interested in, which is Star Trek First Contact. Is that a film that you've seen and or enjoy? Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the best ones. Yeah. Which one's well, that, Dee? Uh, that is the second Next Generation film. Yeah, it had a picture of Patrick Stewart on the cover. <laughs> the English Patient was also released in this year, which would, of course, go on to win Best Picture. The following Very Oscars. similar film to Star Trek First Contact. Yeah, and, yep. and to the next film, Space Jam. Also very similar to The English Patient. <laughs> All three starring Patrick Stewart. Probably. <laughs> How much yeah, better would Space Jam have been without Patrick Stewart in it? Patrick St- Stewart is Michael Jordan. Or oh, Patrick Stewart is Lola Bunny. I'm really trying to think now, are there any characters that cross over? The only one I think could possibly would be Bill Murray. Was Bill Murray in Star Trek First Contact? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it was only the ball. Because I know for a fact he wasn't in English Patient. But yeah, Space Jam. Was released in November 96. Let's talk about it. So, Space Jam is a live-action animated sports comedy film, which is... I mean, I don't know how many of those there are. Probably the only <laughs> one. I guess it's is A, like there are others. I imagine it's the, the live-action slash animated sports comedy film. Until Space Jam 2. Until Space Jam 2. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't know because we don't know how, how funny that's going to be. Might not be a comedy. <laughs> More in line with the English patients, this one. Live-action slash animated sports drama. <laughs> There's a ring to it, doesn't it? Um, so Space Jam, the original, was directed by, I want to say Joe Pitka, but it could be Piker. I think it is Pitka. So, uh, po- apo- apology, is it Pitka? Yeah. Um, and it stars Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes. The film depicts a fictionalised account of Jordan's basketball hiatus. What? Well, I mean... Fictionalised? The word fictionalised was used on a certain encyclopedic website, um, 
that I went on. Maybe <laughs> maybe they misused it. I don't know. But that is the term they use. The film depicts a fictionalised account of Jordan's basketball hiatus between 93 and 95 in which he takes up baseball before being abducted by the Looney Tunes in order to help them win a basketball game against the aliens of Moron Mountain. Sounds good already, obviously, for those who haven't seen it. <laughs> what you've been. But what, what, are your, what are your guys' thoughts? So uh, I guess normally when we ask this question on the podcast, it usually sort of elicits not so much a review as more of a story about our relationship with the movie over the years. Definitely, yeah. I'm sure that's quite annoying for people, uh, but that's going to be the case here again, I'm afraid. I, actually don't, no, I, think, I think that's what people want to hear. They want to know... They want to know Dee's connection to Space Jam. Well, I've written this down, so let me take you back to the 90s in the UK and a little-known cable TV provider called NTL. Oh, (laughs) God. So on NTL, and it's the one before it it was digital, so it's like the analogue version of it. I don't know if you guys remember this or even had the service. Yes. Um, NTL allowed you to watch like premium movies, like new releases, for a charge. My dad was never paying that. Well, and the way you would do it is you would tune your TV to the channel. There was like five movie channels and you would stay on that channel for more than five minutes. You would be automatically charged it. Right. If you right. went off the channel, it would then scramble. Right. So as a child, I, what that, that obviously meant to me is that I learned that if I watch like the first four and a half minutes, I can watch the first four and a half minutes of anything, turn it <laughs> off and it doesn't cost anything and I've got away with it. Well, Space Jam was one of these movies and I got my timings wrong. Oh, no. I didn't know this at the time, so like I guess after like six minutes or like five and a half minutes, you couldn't count. Was, yeah, or I was too busy playing Pokemon at the same time, probably on my Game Boy. I don't even know if that timeline lines up. Your but, time I got you. Yeah, yeah, my time I got <laughs> exactly. you. It was dying at the time, so You're I was listening a bit to nice. <laughs> <laughs> while listening to his Robbie Williams soundtrack. Yeah, so I got my timings wrong, but I didn't know at the time. But I found out when my parents received the cable bill the following month. Oh dear. So my main memory other than generally being shouted at and getting grounded and things like that, was a comment that my dad said, which was, if you're going to pay without my permission, at least watch the whole movie. <laughs> which is a proper Yorkshireman mentality. Yeah. Tattooed on your back now, I imagine. Yeah, it's, it's sort of seared into my brain. If you're going to steal something, steal the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you would download a cat. Get your money's worth. Exactly, yeah. And have you since seen the, the next one hour and 20 minutes? So yes, so I eventually did get to see it when, I don't know why it was on TV or if uh, maybe, or it might have even been a case that you still had access to it for a month because you've already paid for it and I was forced to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you paid for it, you're watching it. I'm imagining like a Clockwork Orange situation where you take yeah, to yeah, a chair yeah. now with your eyes open. I mean, I don't, I don't remember being particularly impressed with this movie as a child. I think it's mostly because I didn't get any of the basketball stuff, but like it had Looney Tunes in it, so that's good. But if we fast forward many years... Uh, I watched the movie back for the first time as an adult, like in preparation for this a couple of weeks ago. Still didn't get any of the jokes in the basketball players. Like the Madonna line I've already referenced. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming that's a reference to something in Charles Barkley's life. Don't know. But I felt like most of the Looney Tunes characters didn't seem to be themselves, especially Tweety Pie, who seemed to be some sort of like weird, like horny bird for the entire thing. <laughs> so uh, my opinion of this film is not great. Right. Cool. Terrible. That was quite a story, I'm sorry. It was. No, I enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, as always, D has his finger right off the pulse oh, of yeah. the uh, British public. I loved this film as a kid. I still... Where, is it proud? Yeah, it's proudly. I'm looking right now at the 4K steelbook that I have <laughs> magnified to my wall, literally above my window, right between the greats of Amelie and Easy Rider is a steelbook of Space Jam with... 
Yeah, brilliant. It's beautiful. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while since I bought that <laughs> steel book. I loved this as a kid. It held a place in quite a high regard in my family. I had the PlayStation 1 game that I played a lot with my cousin. I was always ma- I always made sure I was the Looney Tunes because they had the best sort of slam dunks, finishing moves, and the monsters, there was only five characters. So, <laughs> fortunately, I was the eldest that I could choose that. Um, anyone knows that the classic, um, yes, my controller's plugged in and yours isn't sort of tactic. But yeah, I love this film. I think, in a way, when I think of Michael Jordan, as much as I know he's the superstar that he was, probably one of the greatest sportsmen of all time, watching, if anyone's watched The Last Dance recently, I, I knew him for this film. Uh, and maybe he was just as good as a bas- uh, baseball player as he was a basketball player to me as, as a child. Um, I would have taken anything because he could clearly do it all. And I had strong opinions of it and don't want to challenge that now by watching it again. So it feels like my finger is not too far off the pulse there, Ben. <laughs> it sounds like you suspect it's on the pulse. But it's because, well, it, poten- yeah, it potentially is, but I don't want to know that I've got, like, uh, arrhythmia, like I've got an r- irregular heartbeat. I just want to live knowing that at one point in my life I had a normal heartbeat. I enjoyed this film, and I would like to stick with that enjoyment. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I can relate to a lot of those points you made there, Ben, especially about... Um... Michael Jordan, because I feel like this is all I knew him from. Like, I, he could not have actually, like, to me, he could have actually not been a, a real basketball player. He could have just been a man in this film. <laughs> and, and, and 100%. That would, that would have been enough for me. Because uh, basketball is not big in this country. Um, no. At all. Nope. It's pretty much nope. non-existent. I can, it's interesting the points that you made, D, actually, about the Looney Tunes, because that was an actual criticism that a lot of people leveled at the film at the time in terms of the characterization of the the Looney Tunes characters and how they were very different. And even though the film was... It received kind of mixed reviews, the main criticism was about that from most from most of the reviews I read. I think they felt that like they hadn't gone far enough. And I think like if you watch those cartoons, they are quite... I mean, obviously, they're, they're, they're from a lot of... Like, I think like the original one's like 1930s and stuff like that. So this this from a very different cultural period of the world. But it's uh, they're a lot more um, risque, should we say? They're certainly, they're certainly a lot more adult Definitely. in themes and things like that, which is just kind of non-existent in this film. But I'll go into a few facts if you want. If you want. Yeah, I know, that's I know, I know we like facts. Always. So it was the first film released by Warner Brothers Feature Animation Studio, interestingly. Uh, it grossed over $250 million wow. worldwide, making it the highest grossing... Oh, I like this fact. It's the highest grossing basketball film of all time. What, it's got two <laughs> really good what Coach Carl, maybe? <laughs> High School Musical 3? <laughs> If that, if, that, if that gets classed as a basketball film. I don't even know if he plays basketball, I've not seen I it. I feel like it couldn't be that, because surely that, that probably grossed more, I imagine, than this. Who knows? The the, the film does have interesting origins, though. So it actually came out of two Nike adverts, um, which were directed also by Joe Pitka. Did we say Ben? Did we agree on Pitka? Pitka? Yep. One which was titled Hair Jordan, which I think deserves an award in itself. In which Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny star, so there was two adverts that they both starred in together. Warner Brothers were quite reluctant for Nike to modernise the Bugs character, but after the success of <laughs> Because the ads, we hate money. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. they, I think they were concerned that it would damage the property if they wanted to do something with it in the future. But actually, it was... Like this. Yeah, well, well <laughs> no, it was we're, actually... we're waiting for something bigger than Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know when I read that, I was like, I'm, 
what were they waiting? What actually were they waiting for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but they realised that Bugs Bunny still had relevance and was to a contemporary audience, and he was still liked. So that actually caused them to green light or option this film. I don't know when they made the adverts whether there was already some beginnings of a film somewhere that, that had been proposed but they greeted it after that but actually the film did get shelved for a while during michael jordan's real life retirement from basketball between 93 and 95 but then was brought back when he started playing again in 95 so uh kind of mirrors that gap in between that's in the film Picker said it was difficult to get actors on board, as no one really wanted to work with animated characters or a sports player, and I can see that being quite a <laughs> difficult pitch, which is kind of why the only real people of note in the film are the basketball players, and also Bill Murray, weirdly, <laughs> and, and Larry Bird. And, uh, yeah, and the, and the guy from Jurassic Park. Yes, yes, and him as well, but we'll come on to him now, actually. So, so, so he is called Wayne Knight, which I found out today, and... The role of Stan was actually originally planned for either Chevy Chase or Michael J. Fox. Now, I, I think I assume Michael J. Fox was only an option because his first name is Michael and his second name is Jay, so maybe they thought it was Michael Jordan Fox. <laughs> and, and they thought it would be nice synergy, but did Warner Brothers didn't want either of those two people, and so they weirdly went for that guy from Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, two really famous people, Chevy Chase, Michael J. Fox. No, we'll go for this guy. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you'll get when you include one. Apply today to become a member and be immediately connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, and make sure to tell them that that song from that movie sent you. So the character that's played by, or voiced by Danny DeVio, who is actually called Swackhammer, um, who is the boss of the aliens. Did not know that. Yeah, it was originally a live-action role, and they, they, they planned to give it to Dennis Hopper, <laughs> which I think wow. would have added a lot. Can you imagine, lot. like, Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet, like, <laughs> put into this film? <laughs> that, like, that, the, the oxygen mask in Voiced by Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, that was literally the vision I had when I read Dennis Hopper. I was like, the oxygen mask and, and like, the intensity. <laughs> I think it would have added a very different tone to the film. But obviously it changed last minute. It was actually changed last minute. Like, it was one of the very last things they changed about the film. Then they cast Danny DeVito as the voice. And he's actually the only celebrity voice actor in the film. So everyone else is just kind of like from the in- you know, voice actors from the industry. No, there's no actual names yeah. for any of the voices. This was an interesting... So producer Ivan Reitman spoke to Robert Zemeckis about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which of course is kind of the other... When you think of like cross-animated live action is probably the fil- yeah. other film you think of. Um, yeah. Looking for tips. And Robert Zemeckis responded, don't do it. It nearly killed me. <laughs> <laughs> what an image <laughs> I mean to be fair if you look at most of the films later on that Robert Zemeckis did he basically killed his career post 2000 so maybe it actually did <laughs> yeah it didn't nearly kill him I think Polar Express killed you Robert <laughs> no what was that other one was it Mom- Aliens Need Moms or something yeah Mars Needs Moms Mars Needs Moms that you turned on yeah, yeah that, that, that was the, uh, the nail in the coffin See, I don't know if this is a surprising fact or not, but this film has more special effect shots than Independence Day. <laughs> well, Independence Day actually happened in large parts, Alex. <laughs> yeah, of <course>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a documentary. When you said Bill, when you said Bill Clinton beat Bob Dole, he actually beat um, Bill Pullman. What's his... Bill, yeah, Pullman. Bill Pullman beat an alien in the face. <laughs> 
So I've written on here Lola Bunny question mark. Did you two find her attractive? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Isn't the real question who's hotter, Lola Bunny or Jessica Rabbit? Um no, they're both animated. In which case um, you put me in the Lola Bunny category. <laughs> um Elmer Fudd. Fair. I'm all about the Fudd. You're a Fudd man. I'm a, I'm a big Fudd man. I thought you were gonna say the granny lady for a second there. I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> um, the film, as Ben already mentioned, kind of, was a merchandise phenomenon. Had video games, Happy Meal toys, etc. And the franchise is estimated to be worth $6 billion. Which is kind of remarkable, considering it's just one... I know, obviously, there is Space Jam Legacy coming out soon. But considering it's just one film, it's quite it's quite a large number. Um, yeah. And the film itself only made $250 million, So all of that is after. Afterwards on toys... T-shirts, whatnot—it's it's a bit mad. That's really. incredible. I think that's why I'm I'm really curious about this new film because I mean we're also in a lockdown and the whole world is recovering from a huge pandemic, so there's obviously that's a factor in. But just Michael Jordan was already a phenomenon, not just in the states, but like Air Jordans were huge. He was a recognized name. This film didn't make him. Whereas LeBron James, I feel like he's often compared to Michael Jordan on a basketball sense as like a skill, but as for, as for a brand, he's nowhere close. And so I'm assuming Michael Jordan had a pull alongside Looney Tunes, which, like you said, were still current and relevant. I'm pretty sure they're not at the moment. I'm, you know, I don't think they'll have the same pull. I, it almost feels like the, the the sequel is targeting our generation of that, you know, know the original film or incredibly niche basketball fans, you know, that are aware of LeBron. I just don't think it has the same pull. I'm just really curious to see if it bombs. Yeah, and it seems weird to me that the the trailer, I guess I've not seen the film, is almost downplaying the Looney Tunes references. It, it's more Game of Thrones. You 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 guys have seen that, right? Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sort of it seems like they're using all of anything that comes under the bracket of Warner Brothers, aren't they? With it, because in the trailer, there's all sorts of random stuff that related to other TV shows or films and things. So it does like yeah. almost seem like they're using the idea that of Space Jam to connect to people our age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like Agent Smith pops up at one point. Yeah, it's, 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 odd, it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's an odd-looking it, film. It feels like Wreck-It Ralph 3. Yeah, it does have a very Wreck-It Ralph kind of vibe. I thought that exact thing when I was watching the trailer, really. Very odd. I wonder how it will do. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it if I it don't think this is going to make the LeBron brand. The LeBron. The LeBron, if you will. <laughs> I won't. No, oh, can LeBron. you say the LeBron? Ooh. Yeah, would it just be LeBron? LeBron. <laughs> like some sort of really sort of highbrow French chic... I mean, should they have, I was going to say, should they have called the film Space James? <laughs> Glad you're not on the marketing team. Space, Space James. James. <laughs> oh. James Jam. Oh, let's talk about some songs, shall we? Let's do it. So kind of going to talk about them in terms of their ordering or chronological order of when they appear in the films. So the first song that appears in the film is actually I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly. Um, it appears in two different parts of the film. It's in the opening scene, which is what I'm talking about first, where a young Michael is shooting hoops in his back garden and not missing a single one. And then it also appears at the very climax of the film when Michael Jordan appears out of an alien spaceship onto a baseball field. So, obviously, there's controversy about R. Kelly. So we're not going to talk about it in too much detail. But do you guys have any comments about the song but kind of more to do with its relationship to the film rather than just like about it yeah i mean it's a classic song like a powerful and hopeful song and i I hope other people agree that it's sort of 
grown to have a legacy of its own outside the movie and hopefully outside of its singer. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's it's a it's a really interesting like argument because like I was listening to this song earlier and I loved this song as a kid. It has quite a lot of relevance to like um a lot my family loved it and it would get played at certain occasions and like it was huge and really powerful and yeah that's as is the case with a lot of R. Kelly's discography. And I was listening to it and I I found myself thinking thinking about the song. Like I can't I can't seem to like it enough. I can't seem to connect to those same memories without the tainting of R. Kelly, the man who has, you know, everything that's happened and come about recently. And I'm I was found myself like um it was like metacognition. I was thinking about thinking so much that I just couldn't connect on that emotional level anymore. And I found that a real shame. But when I watched the version with the scene of the film, I could still connect to the emotion that I have with the film. Like I said, I've not watched the film back recently, but I rewatched that scene. And I could still connect to that, and I still found a bit of joy and a bit of love. Like, well, you know, the young Michael running up to the hoop, and there's that sort of, those um, little musical notes. But I can't watch it with the music video of R. Kelly. I, I can't. I can't even just listen to it by itself with the Space Jam logo, because I'm there's an element of tainting it i can't enjoy it separately i think people can enjoy art separate to the artist but and i rather they should be able to but i can't i've realized um and i find that a real shame and yeah. I, ho- I hope that the one day i do bust that steel book off the wall that i can watch it without thinking <laughs> about r kelly and just enjoying it in the film because yeah it is a really good song because mm. I guess it, it does bring up that com- that conversation, doesn't it, about like whether you can separate the art from the artist and that or that whole shebang. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it does, like you quite well put there, Ben. It it, it comes down to a personal decision, doesn't it? And it's yeah. some people will be able to separate and still enjoy the song on on whatever level they want. And other people, I think, like like for me, similar to you, like every, I can't listen to this song without thinking about that conversation, and then that kind of ruins it. Um, yeah. And even like even when I was watching the film, it was the same. It was kind of like oh, that's interesting. I I because I knew that I was going to be having to think, I was going to be thinking about it. It I automatically thought about it. So I think that kind of for me does suggest that I can't separate it because I can't I can never listen to it a song without by someone like that without thinking about that other situation mm-hmm. so yeah I mean I think it's it's a difficult one because it, it it's the song that everyone really associates with this film and kind of when we 100%. went and I know that we all kind of enjoy the wider soundtrack and I'm sure a lot of people do but I think if you were talking about a song from this film that's the one that most people would remember or would re- yeah. relate it to. So people might think it's an old choice that we're doing this film, but it's kind of because we have an enjoyment of the wider soundtrack and me and you really enjoy the film. No D doesn't have as good a connection <laughs> with it. But I'll just, there's a couple of facts about it. Um, so actually it wasn't meant to be the lead song from this film. Okay. That, ooh, that's that's interesting. When I was watching it, both, both times it was in the film, the beginning and the end, I felt like it was a late edition especially the end one, it doesn't seem to fit with the scene. It's supposed to be quite a triumphant moment, but the song's quite uh, quite small in terms of its sort of uh, emotional. Small's the wrong word. It's quite uh, intimate. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a slow builder, isn't it? It's very yeah. it's very observant of you, D, because it was a late addition to the film. Yes. So, so actually what <laughs> happened was Michael Jordan and R. Kelly... So the quote on, the, on, on the, one of the pages that I read said that they were hooping together. So I don't know how that happened, but they were both hooping together or they hooped together in Chicago 
and Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh my God, God. It's because I'm thinking there we that's go. Yeah, that's it. That. Let's leave. Yeah, let's leave. Let's, let's another conversation. <laughs> it's actually because in my notes, I've written, I've written MJ. <laughs> MJ, Michael Jordan asked R. Kelly if he wanted to do a song for the film that they just made. So R. Kelly watched the film and picked up on this idea of him flying through the air. Obviously, that's the big moment at the end of the film where he flies across the basketball court and there's references to it. The beginning of the film, one of the other songs makes a lot of reference to it as well, which we'll come on to in a second. So that's kind of where the lyrics come from. And that's why the song probably feels like it was you London late. I think they knew what they had with the song, um, which is probably why it features twice, but it wasn't initially intended to be a lead song from from the soundtrack and actually wasn't the first released as a single from the soundtrack either. It featured on quite a lot of lists, as you can imagine, because it was such a big, huge song at the time. Mm. Um, Rolling Stone put it in the top 500 best songs of all time. <laughs> I mean, it wow. was quite low on that list, but it was still in that list, which I thought was quite an accolade. Um, it won three Grammys. D, I know you'd be interested in that. It was a number one hit in the UK. It wasn't in the US. Uh, it actually only got to number oh. two. It was a, it couldn't untop Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. <laughs> but it is still our Kelly's. Yeah, probably is, yeah. <laughs> It's still R. Kelly's best-selling song, even though he had multiple number one singles. It was still his best-selling in the US. But yeah, so we'll move we'll move on from that because I think we've kind of skirted around talking about it sort of in a in a in a hopefully uh, respectful way. But we'll move on to the next song that features in the film, which is entitled Space Jam, um, and it's by a band called Quad City DJs. I mean, if there's not a more sort of uh, like late nineties, early noughties title, it's that. <laughs> Quad City DJs. Yeah. <laughs> so this song features uh, immediately after the opening scene in the opening credits, uh, when there's a bit of a Michael Jordan b-ball montage where he's just like dunking <laughs> on people for fun and playing basketball generally. Yes, yeah, so do you guys? What do you guys think of this one? Yeah, it's one of those. I think without the. The the opening sort of line, you know, that everybody's get up, get up, it's time to slam now, is it? Mm-hmm. That sort of, I, you know, I really sort of remember that and it kind of gets me sort of energised and pumped, especially with the scene. Like I say, I'm not a huge basketball fan. I was, you know, at some point in my life very interested in it, mostly through the EA games. But the, the how the montage is done of, I guess, you know, the progression of Michael Jordan from a kid, from that scene that we've just seen with... Uh, where he's making that first dunk, you assume, <laughs> or he's just going to absolutely miss it. But then it's sort of his quick rise to fame of the huge success he had with the Chicago Bulls. It's incredibly energising. I really like it as sort of setting up the film and the pace of the film, because it is incredibly fast-paced. Like, there's not much of a lull. Obviously, you want it to rush ahead to get to the point where he's in whatever the Looney Tunes world's called. But... <laughs> It's, it moves very quick, and I think it starts from that point because the first scene with I Believe I Can Fly is quite sombre and slow and supposed to kind of hit with that emotional note, which the film doesn't have many of. <laughs> and then it just and then it just goes. It's like, right, come on, speed up now. You know, this is about MJ, you know, yes, flies on air. You know, his whole thing is that he's the greatest of all time and let's get pumped, let's get energised, let's get ready. And this song does that very well. 100%. I think I have previously said that Let's Get Down to Business was the coolest song we've ever covered. Well, I think it's time for Lieutenant, Lieutenant, what's his face? To <laughs> step aside because, yeah, yeah, Donny, Lieutenant Donny Osmond to step aside because this is officially the coolest song we've ever done. And it might even end up being the coolest song we'll ever do. Mm, it's it's going to be tough to top. I think in my head, this is a soundtrack to all basketball matches ever. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it could be, couldn't it? Like the opening, after they do the... Da, 
If I ever bought a ticket to an NBA match and this song was not played at some point whilst I was there, I would ask for a refund. <laughs> you've got to assume, yeah, you've got to assume that every, every basketball course adopted this song, hopefully. Yeah, you would have to, because it is, yeah. I wonder if this film, that's quite interesting, I wonder if this film had an impact on basketball. Like, in any way, did they adopt those kind of... Like, I know the shirts were incredibly, like, successful. Yeah, they were, like, weren't they? The basketball guys. tops. My brother, I'm sure my brother had one. Yeah, I mean, I would buy one. I would buy one. I know uh, Spike Lee's worn a lot. I'm sure my brother got one from, like, a market in Spain or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Down in Bridlington. So, did you say Spike Lee had one? That's interesting. I swear, I've seen Spike Lee with one. Spike, yeah. Spike Lee actually came up on, in my research because he originally pitched to help write the script for this film, but it was... Due to some controversy over how he'd funded Malcolm X, I didn't look into the detail. Warner Brothers wouldn't allow him to write the script for it. This is quite oh, interesting. So interesting. I know he's famously a huge basketball fan, uh, and I think he's a huge MJ fan. That script later became Crash. <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't actually have many facts about the song because there wasn't a lot on there. No, but it had a great music video. If you guys, I mean, what's interesting about the music videos for all of these songs is they all feature clips from the film. It's it's it's, yeah. it's an odd one, really, because because you usually have that one title song, you maybe have another song that's in the film, and they kind of utilize clips. But I think literally the main five songs, every single video included clips from the film in some way, and this was no different. I think it does really work well in juxtaposition to that opening scene, this montage. Uh, like you said, Ben, like it. The, the the first song kind of is supposed to add that emotional depth, whether whether or not it does that or, or not is yeah is up for debate. But that's kind of the emotional center of the film, and then you immediately just get the impact of this amazing '90s dance sort of R&B track, and the the, <laughs> yeah. the sort of flashing credits as well. And it seems to go on forever, but you're almost like you don't care because it's like this is the film, this is the film to me, this opening credits, and actually probably for you as well, Lee, considering you only watched the first six minutes of it back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Maybe yeah. I was so enthralled by this, by this intro <laughs> that I, uh, I, I, I forgot to look at my watch. I mean, I was just, I was just thinking then that the actual credits. We, I think we covered um, Rocky Three, was it, where it had that really great opening montage. Oh yeah, and yeah. this, this is yeah. kind of in some ways reminiscent. I know it doesn't have Clubber Lang sat in the uh, in the stands watching him at every second, or or Swat Hammer, as that character is called, or whatever it's called <laughs> in this film. But um, if you didn't have a clue who Michael Jordan was. And how good a basketball he was, you're probably pretty clued up after this opening montage. It does a very good job of bringing you into that world, I suppose. But then to immediately cut it off <laughs> when, yeah. he, when he uh, announces that he's retiring and going to play baseball. And it cements it in like a form of reality because it is, you know, Michael yeah. Jordan did after his sort of 3 P after he won the, you know, the NBA championship three times, he quit making, you know, this entire sort of fictional world in that sort of period and then he comes back and plays baseball at the end is very clever even to me as a child who hadn't got a clue what was going on yeah i knew michael jordan probably by name as a basketball player i hadn't got a clue about what he did but you know thinking about that and watching that scene back they do it really well to almost place it in reality to give it a sense of um to give it a connectedness to probably what a lot of american audiences knew and with that bell ends part one of our look at space jam We'll be back next week, next Thursday as normal, with part two of our look at Space Jam. Unless, of course, you listen to this way off in the future, in which case, it's already live. It's already there. Just go and hit play. It's going to be great, I promise. See you next week. Bye.
So, Ben. Oh, no, shit. It's Alex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Her story.